Welcome, Supers, back to another Shark Tank Tank Tales episode. I'm Super Joe Parter, for all that don't know. And today I have the absolute pleasure of introducing somebody here on the show that is working to change the world. Well, aren't we all changing the world But uh, by trying to be super and bring that on other people? But this gentleman is working to change the world through the environment in which we all live and make it better and safer for all of us. Everyone, I need super claps wherever you are right now, sitting on the bus, sitting on the toilet. I see you sitting on the toilet, uh, sitting, waiting for the bus or waiting at a traffic light. Please don't drive and watch us. Uh, maybe you're listening to the podcast. Uh, wherever you're doing right now, I need some super claps for Super Dinesh. Tata Pali. Did I say it right? Not bad, right? Not bad. Tata Pali. Tata Pali. Yeah. Tata Ding, ding. <laughs> Super Dinesh, how are you doing today? I'm good, Joe. I'm very excited to share my um, share share my I mean, experience and very excited for this. And thanks for your previous video and all the amazing comments there. You are so welcome. Thank you so much for being here with us and and wanting to share your story to help inspire other super entrepreneurs and uh, help us help us all learn and and compare notes and things like that. Uh, especially when it comes to uh, you know the Shark Tank and and everything that comes uh, with the territory of doing so. Thank so, you. let's start uh, prior to Shark Tank. You came up with this idea of the the edible spoon or i yeah so let's let's uh, start from there or well wanting to create an edible spoon yes okay uh that's a great question i think this would answer a lot of comments on the previous video as well so um about i think around 2018 like end of 2019 after my daughter was born we went to an ice cream shopping me and my kids and we had an ice cream um i like we had fun we loved it we just finished it and we threw it through the cup and the spoon in into the bin and i i noticed like hundreds of plastic spoons and cups there suddenly it struck me as an educated person who has been like I mean, i've been i did my masters and bachelors and i'm pretty well educated i'm aware of the plastic pollution climate change and all that stuff my question that striked me all of a sudden was why didn't i think twice before using a plastic spoon obviously we do feel bad once we use it or when we when we hear the news or when we when we see a documentary about plastic pollution or climate change or anything like that but why isn't that reflecting into our actions that was a very deep question or thought that arised in me and i was like yes okay I, i need to do something about this i went back home and i did some research on finding out what how bad it is and it scared me like humans are already consuming a credit card sized of microplastics per week through the air they breathe through the water they drink and the, through the food they eat and if it's if it's that bad with us i was worried about my young children if they grow up what would be the world that they, they will live in and this was the seed of our entrepreneurship or a startup and obviously i looked at the alternatives i looked at compostable cutlery but most of them was greenwashed even if even if it's made from plant based fibers unless you actually sort them put them and take them to a composting facilities they won't be composted because mm. and and even i spoke to a few composting facilities in the us and they said they won't take cutlery because it's very hard to differentiate between a plastic and a compostable cutlery so there were there were a lot of challenges across the chain no one travel no one travels through the product and finds out whether it it really it's is it really doing the change that it's supposed to 
So that's when I came across, uh, I thought, okay, what about edible cutlery? And I looked into it. I do see, I did notice Bakey's, a lot of people brought that company up in the previous comments that they, uh, they, they brought the edible cutlery and they got super famous. There were so many videos and amazing things there. Okay, I was like, okay, very happy. Nice, someone has come up with this. Now let's go bring that forward and bring the product into the US. But I already noticed that there was this another person who worked with Bakey's and brought it to the US Kickstarter. They raised a lot of money in Kickstarter, but they couldn't deliver the product. Then I went, I dig, I dug deeper. What's why didn't they, why couldn't they deliver the product? I, I tried to approach read articles and find out more about them. Then I realized that they couldn't scale. They, they got super famous before they could make the machinery possible. So that's where the engineering in us, me and Cruel, Cruel is in India. Uh, his company back in India, Strishula. So both of us, we worked together and we found out a way to manufacture them. By the way, even before we manufacture them, I we approached, at least I I sent an email to Bakey saying, hey, this is so-and-so, I'm, I have my engineering skills that I can utilize to make scalable better, I mean, to make your product scalable. But we couldn't, we didn't get any reply. So we decided, okay, we need to do something about this. And we started making the machines or the in the, the actual process to make it mass scalable. So that was the reason why I said world's first mass scalable cutlery. I didn't say it's the world's first cutlery. Yes, it is not my brain. The edible cutlery part is not my brainchild, but our brainchild is basically the machinery. The how do you make them is the is, is our is our brainchild. And that was what our patent is right now. Actually, we did discuss a lot about this about our patent, which is still pending, by the way, but it's mostly concentrated on the process not the product mm. and and once we got the first hundred spoons out of the machine that's when we started selling uh, and just showing the product into the market this was by the time it was already like early 2019 and once we were confident about yeah the machines can work it can make the cutlery possible and and a lot of effort was went, went into that like we literally spent close to one year and also 80 80 plus trials to actually make that possible it was not an easy task because see making by hand making it very in a small scale is was much easy but actually trying to make it automated trying to make sure that it works correctly and and also not just that right we did have we, we did see some negative feedback on the product we still get an on our product too on the original edible cutlery product they were too flaky it's very it, it breaks easily so mm. we have we ha the, the the biggest challenge about edible cutlery is it the thickness or the strength of the spoon or any other cutlery needs to be right enough for you to use it as a spoon and easy enough after eat uh, after man, to eat it after so yeah, so that was the biggest challenge, right? I mean, what's the right thing? What's the right strength? What's the right tensile strength? What's the right machinery? What's the right baking temperature? So it, it was it was actually not an easy task. So we thankfully Cruel uh, and most of it, like 80% of them, he was able to actually get it done. And I helped him with some of the designs and, and investments too. So once we brought that mark, product into the market in the US, um, the first trade show that I signed up, by the way, since, as I mentioned, I'm an engineer with a background. Um, I did my master's here in electronic engineering and all that stuff. I had zero experience in food industry. So how do I sell it, right? So I signed up for this nine trade shows in 2019. Entire, like about, it's small ones, not the big ones, not the ones which you pay thousands of dollars and get a booth, fancy booth and all that stuff. Very, very small ones where I, in, in fact, I convinced the trade shows to give me a free booth because it's, this will help the planet. So, so it was all, it was all very frugal because I didn't have investments. It was, I didn't have enough money to, you know, my money was spent on the machinery part itself, already my savings. So the first trade show we went was Cater Source in New Orleans. 
and we you won't believe i didn't even know how a trade show looks like that's my first trade show in my life oh wow <laughs> yeah i mean i mean, I, mean I, I know ces electronic trade shows and all but food side i have no idea so so ces is very different <laughs> from like yes. the homegrown <laughs> home shows the rv yes. shows the yes, municipal yes. municipality shows and things like that yeah so i went there i i just went with a suitcase and with 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 paper printouts of a product and like a basic rough rough cost sheet and a price sheet as well as some spoons that i had in my hand that's it i didn't know that i have to go get a table a chair a booth a banner you know all the all the fancy stuff they do and i went there as like oh my god okay what do i do now so i immediately went to walmart rent like got a table and two chairs and i didn't have any banners or any like any you know any displays behind me it was just me my product on the table and few papers that's it and i started talking with people um you won't believe three it was three days and the third day one caterer from canada he came to my table and they said can you give me the best cost that you have i told him what is the quantity that you're looking for he said i will order right now 150000 spoons if you if you can give me the best cost yes so so i was there standing i had not sold a single spoon till then i was i got the order which is like 150000 spoons my first question was will i be will i be even be able to do this but then i was like okay we should we need to do it no matter what because that's a big boost for me so i immediately gave him the cost to manufacture itself i didn't even put a single penny margin on it because i want this to go through so i gave him the lowest cost and i just uh and i came back home i told to my wife and my partner cruel back in india we were so happy about this and then i decided we like how will we scale this up that's when i had to sell my home in california to use those proceeds to scale up the facility in india to actually meet the demand of this 150000 or uh, 50000 spoons basically so that's how this entire thing started with that first order we had to scale immediately within the next 4 5 months we went from like 100 spoons a day to 5000 spoons a day so and right now we are at like 40000 spoons a day that's a scale right now so so that's it it was a step by step process no investors no no advisors nothing it was all raw frugal approach of going and meeting people and understanding how the industry works i had no clue what a distributor means i had no clue what a wholesaler is what is this margin what is that margin it was ridiculous when i first went through the entire margin part of it how a a dollar product is sold at 10 dollars on the shelf i that was very surprising and amazing for me i was like oh my god like the product cost is so little but by the time it goes to the shelf it's super expensive i, I that actually gave me an answer in the us when i came to us from india in the first few years I was like why are the stores so huge why do they have everything in the world here i didn't understand how are they making money but now i understood looking at the margins that they charge it's 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 a very interesting experience for me and that's how we grew as we went forward so there's a ton to unpack there dinesh all right yeah. so let's so when you went there did you when you went to the trade show did you have a spoon with you or you just had yeah. the paperwork okay so he was the, they were people were able to taste eat the spoon yep, eat yep, the spoon yep. okay okay so that that is still a key point there but i'm willing to bet that even if you didn't have the spoon there you would have gotten enough you would have gotten interest from at least one person that could have been like hey as soon as you have the spoon like let's let's talk you know here's my card let's make it happen the those shows um 
are generally very expensive. And to your point of like, you know, the markup of like, hey, this thing cost me a this Linus Tech Tips bottle tells me a dollar to make, and now I got to sell it for thirty. What the heck, right? Um, the uh, those shows a lot of times the booths, and and this is for other entrepreneurs to to realize that uh, where they're hosting them matters a lot because they might have to use union work, and we're. In your case, where you're like, oh, I gotta run the Walmart and like get a get a folding table and a, and some chairs, mm-hmm. like you literally a lot of shows aren't able to do well, that because yeah. of the union. Like if you, the union didn't put that tablecloth on there, then there's no tablecloth going on there, you know, kind of thing. And that's where it's like, ooh, that tablecloth might only be like a three dollar tablecloth, but because somebody you know has to put it on, and this isn't an anti or pro union thing. This is just this is the way it is, and things to be expect expected going forward now when you say uh i you know i was there for three days i've done these shows and i've i've stood there for three four days where it's like on the fourth day you know we're literally like throwing the 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 promotional football back and forth because there's like so few people coming through at that point but that's the day that there's it's you know it sparks with somebody to like have that conversation and now we're selling a tractor now we're selling parts now we're doing that like Things break like the people that really care. Sometimes you have to wait till that last day to really get them. And uh, I, so I applaud you for for doing the like. I literally, I'm not just gonna say it. I'm gonna actually do it. The, thanks, uh, thanks. You're welcome. Of going in and making that decision that I've never done. I've never even been to one of these things before. What I don't know what to do or how to do. But the in, uh, the ingenuity, the thought of like. Let me convince somebody to give this to me for free because we're doing we're going to do something huge here is super awesome and uh, and and it just goes to show you you know look not everyone's going to give everybody a free chance to like hey here's a booth because they sell those booths you know sometimes it's five a thousand sometimes it's five thousand ten thousand dollars per boot for ten foot by ten yeah. foot booth so. Yeah. So another, another thing that we did initially to reduce cost was like to share the booth. You go to an existing booth holder and say, hey, especially if they have ice cream or something that spoons can go with. I like, oh, please. Hey, can you just give me like, you know, five feet of the ta- like just a little bit of small table for me to put in there and I can co-sell it. And I'm still doing that. Like just last week I went to IAPA. It's a, it's actually a trade show where all the amusement industry comes yep. in. I was, I was in Florida last week, entire week, and my, I, I didn't get a booth there. I went, Dippendorf's partnered with us. That's another good news that I would like to share. Two weeks ago, but Dippendorf officially agreed to partner with, partner with us, Dippendorf Ice Cream. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, it, this, was, this was even before Shark Tank. We started talking to them long ago. Anyway, so we actually went there, and they just gave a small space in their big booth, and we just sold the spoons along with the ice cream because it goes best along with that. So... What I'm trying to say is, like anyone who is looking for these trade shows, you don't have to be afraid about, you know, what's the worst could happen, right? If you can just ask the booth holders and say, hey, okay, either give me an opportunity to share my costs with another booth holder or or if you have anything left out, like in the last few, like especially, by the way, Cater Source, I signed up just one week before the, uh, the, the, the show started. So, yeah, so it's, it's, it, you can actually, it's doesn't hurt you to ask. So that's my, I mean, that that's what happened to me. And you have to be frugal as much as you can, right? Because in the end, literally, I invested all my home sale, my entire savings of my 10 years into this. So it, I, and yeah, yeah. so it, it, it but, but it's very rewarding, right? Like the first within, I think, one and a half year, we were able to re- replace 1 million plastic utensils with edible with edible spoons. And that was very rewarding for me. I was like, oh, wow. That, 
that gave me more happiness than me making a million dollars. <laughs> well, we're gonna get we're gonna get you there to multiple, 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 multiple <laughs> millions of dollars. Um, before we move on, I just wanted to quick point out though for the entrepreneur, the super entrepreneurs out there. Um, when, when you, you guys a great point about sharing, not just sharing the booth, but like there's big companies, big business share space, right? Think about the commercials that you see on TV where they share, like it's, it is it, you know, it's a, it's a McDonald's commercial, but it's also a, a, a Coke commercial at the same time. And they're sharing that, that very valuable space. It's maybe a Super Bowl commercial where there, there multiple companies are all coming together to have one message and they're sharing that space. It's still marketing. It might be for a good reason, like a good, you know, cause or whatever, but it's all it's all synergy uh then and the ability to share that space makes so much sense, especially when it clicks. Spoons, edible spoons and ice cream make so much sense uh that it, it's like, "Oh yeah, no, this this makes sense. Let's just let's make it happen." Um and I and I think a lot of times it, it actually strengthens the other company as well as you know, as a as a synergistic thing. It's not just uh, on on like oh the big guy you know is just doing a favor to you it makes them look good because hey they're giving up space to somebody who's giving back to the you know to the environment uh, in big in a big way so so let's let's fast forward so did you seek out Shark Tank did Shark Tank seek out you uh, the other way the Shark Tank found us again nice. through trade shows as I mentioned right the decision of attending nine trade shows really helped me. Because, see, the reason I wanted to go attend so many was to understand the industry. I wanted to meet people. and Because you won't find this on Google, right? You won't, you, I mean, obviously, you can do an MBA and find the theoretical part of it. But in practice, you really need to go talk to people and understand how things work. I mean, you have to make mistakes. I made a mistake. I made a couple of costly mistakes, too, during the process. So, uh, but you keep learning from it and then trying to push forward yourself. And for me, meeting people was more important to me because I wanted to understand firsthand how the industry works. So, and I did my coursework of MBA online, just a regular online courses like Coursera and on, like, I didn't do any big MBAs or anything. It's just like part-time, I just went and did some coursework online. So, but again, in the end was, I have only limited amount of money and how do I make the biggest impact with that? That's my entire, like, that's always running in the background. Um, like uh, another example I would like to share is, apart from the trade shows, uh, sorry, actually, I'll get back to that later. But let's to answer your question. So one of, I think, Winter Fancy Food Show, I'm guessing, I don't know exactly how it happened, but right, we won the best pitch food pitch competition at the Winter Fancy Food Show in San Francisco in February of 2020, actually January of 2020. So that made us a little more visible in the PR side, like a lot more outlets and news outlets actually put, put food forward our, like at least my picture and the award and the product and everything. I And immediately, I mean, about a month after that, uh, a producer reached out to us asking if you want to apply to the Shark Tank. So that's how it happened. But again, I, I can't guarantee that's the only thing that went through. But before that, I won a, quite a few pitch awards as well. And I got a few pre-R as well. So I don't know, it might be a combination of all of that. But I had not applied because for me, I was an immigrant. I'm still an immigrant. So at that time, my status, my visa status didn't allow me to even apply for the Shark Tank. So when they approached... Uh. Uh, when they approached in 2020, I couldn't. But in 2021, when they approached again, asking me to check with my, checking with my status, I told them that it proceeded forward, and I got my EAD, my green. I mean, it, I didn't get my green card yet, but it's getting there. It's slowly yeah. getting. Yeah. So that's when they said, "Oh, they became more flexible now," which was not like before. And now I got the opportunity to go pitch and all that stuff. So. 
I something you said that the littlest amount of money the, to get the biggest impact. I I. As a person who is an aspiring engineer, electronic engineer myself, or uh, what's the term, Commer- com- um, commercial engineering, uh, the that that just screams engineering to me. You know, like I only have yeah. this much space to work in, so how can I make the biggest amount of impact? I mean, it's like we're going to build an iPhone, and we're going. Yeah. This is the shape in which we are going to build it in. What gives us the best bang for the 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 space, right? Bang for the bucks, bang for the space. Yeah. So uh, I was, as I mentioned, since being an outsider of the food industry, my thought process was completely different. I didn't care about raising money. I didn't care about sh- showing up in thousands of stores. I didn't care about all that. For me, my biggest thing is I have with whatever resources I have and all the time, right? Because I'm, I was working full-time while doing all this. It was not It was, uh, It was. was not just doing this on the full, full-time full basis. So with whatever time I have, with whatever resources I have, with whatever money I have, I need to do my best. So just to give another story on how it went well was, um, like I saw one of a very famous pop singer. I can't disclose her name uh, because of NDA reasons. She came to one of the late night trade shows, uh, late night late night shows, I think with Stephen Colbert or someone else. I forgot the Jalen or one of them. Uh, she came and she's like, "Oh, I'm all my concerts in 2020 will not have any plastic in there." So that caught my eye and the ear, and I was like, "Okay, I need to approach her now. What do I do?" I the, the people whom I met, they told, okay, you can go to contact PR agencies. But when I contacted PR agencies, they quoted me a very ridiculous amount of money with, with no guarantee that it'll they can even reach, reach the celebrity because she's an A-list celebrity. She's very famous, actually. So uh, I'm a huge fan of her songs. That's why I know how, she's, how famous she is. So i like, okay, PR saying, okay, give me this many amount of amount of dollars, so, but they can't guarantee. I'm like, okay, I don't have that much money right now. What do I do? So that's when I went into LinkedIn mode. I love Sales Navigator on LinkedIn. That's a tool that you can actually search for contacts. Uh, I religiously spend 20 minutes every day, even now, to find contacts in the food industry too. You know, uh, yeah. So it's uh, the, the the and then I try to do some Google searches, find her manager's name. Once I found her manager's name, I made some combination of emails because I didn't know what what company. The, it, 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 there's only a little bit you can make it public, right? You can't get every every information on Google. So through my, uh, like I did my master's in USC. So my through alumni, I tried to find some way or the other, the company that the manager works. And once I found the company's name, I just made some combination of email addresses, like first name, last name, first letter, last letter, like all uh, like all different play ways that we use. And then I just sent emails saying, hey, uh, we have this product. Do you want to try? Do you want to try a product in one of your concerts? And luckily, within two weeks, I got a reply back saying, pitch, please. I mean, obviously, there were many more replies saying mailer demon, no email exists and all that stuff, but that's okay. So <laughs> <laughs> all, all, all it takes is one one email to go through. And uh, and and I it luckily went through and he got back and he said, hey, pitch, send me a pitch. I sent him the pitch. Then I sent the samples. He he tested it first. He liked the samples. He loved the samples. He loved my story. And he's like, he introduced me to uh, the singer. She loved the product. Her family loved the product. And then she came back and said, hey, I can't taste this because I'm a gluten sensitive. I don't eat gluten. Now, at that time, I had my, even now I can, most of my spoons are made with wheat. So like, 
I I told her please give me like three months. We went back to the table R and D table and like try to figure out what's the way to we can make a gluten free product, and we made a product which is not as good as what we have right now, but still something working. So we gave it to her and she like oh she liked the dedication that okay I'm very serious about this, and she's like okay let me help you and she uh, they introduced me to Live Nation. Live Nation introduced me to Concert Hall. Within six months, I sold five thousand spoons to Madison Square Garden in New York. That's a trial. Wow. So, okay. So, uh, but unfortunately, COVID came and it put a pause on all of that stuff. But, but yeah, what I'm trying to say is, it it's not impossible. Like people think you need money, you need contacts to make it possible. It just needs some time, endurance. You just have to bear with it. And for me, another advantage of me working is I don't have to worry about my family, my bills, my rent, my you know, my 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 home. It's like. I can take care of myself. So as long as I'm okay with that, I'm content with what I have. Yeah, it can go slower. Yeah, maybe if I had a million dollars of investment, I would have made it faster. But that's okay. Yeah, I, no, I think that's a fair. I think that's a, a fair assessment. And I think as long as your needs are being met, like it, it's not the. Well, I don't want to say it's not the end of the world because, like, it is. Kind of is, is, but it's not the yeah. end of well your personal bubble world. You know, like. Oh, if I don't sell these, then I'm not going to eat tomorrow. I don't know where the money is going to come to pay the bills tomorrow. And that level of comfortability enables you to be able to make the right decisions, not snap decisions. Um, and and I so I kind of like some of the sharks might disagree where it's like, oh no, you got to be hungry and you got to go like and get like go for the kill and everything. You do. To a point. But the thing is, is if you're worried, and they've said this on the show too, if you're worried about where the next meal is going to come from or where the next month's worth of money is going to come from, you're not, you're, you're not eyes on the prize of growing the, the business and growing your craft of what you're doing. And that, you know, that's the thing where it's like, you might not have had the opportunity to like go and find that gluten free option because you'd be like, I gotta get, I gotta get selling. Cause if I don't sell, I don't eat. If I don't eat, well then I'm starving. My family's starving. We might be out of a house, like, or a home, like all these things. And then the, the, then the, it becomes like this, this snowball effect of like stress and pressure and all of that. And, and what you're, what you're developing isn't a, oh, I have a million of these cups that are already made. I need to go door to door and just be like, hi, do you need a cup? Here's a cup. I got the cup for you. You, you literally are like developing the future of, of disposable cutlery. So it's going to take a little longer than, you know, just like let me go door to door and, and get re- like the Mark Cuban, I sold trash bags door to door example. And- and another advantage that I, I kind of got out of going really slow uh, was feedback. So I think Daniel mentioned this in one of the Shark Tank episodes, which I really sync well with because I really thought in the same way. Uh, first, I mean, every entrepreneur has to go through three phases, like create, uh, criticize, and then crusade. That's what the exact statements that he used. Um, I'm just going to repeat what, what he said. So one is create. So that part is where the actual R&D part and you, you know create the product and everything. And the second is critique. This is the part a lot of people miss. So basically, once you create a product, right, we are always, we're, we're obviously biased. We're biased towards it. Like, oh, this is my baby. I It does the best in the world. Obviously, that's what you're supposed to think. And you think like that. But, but that's not the reality, right? So the reality is might be different. So for me, that was more important. That's one of the biggest reasons I took really slow was 
uh, even though I had the technology or at least the way to make this product, I didn't approach any investments. I didn't raise till 2021. I didn't raise any penny. I, I, for me, I wanted to see how people absorb it. So once I introduced it to the market, are people liking it? Are people hating it? What is it? Because another challenge that I had was it didn't exist in the market before. So how do I know whether my product is best or not? See, if if I'm making a cake, which I mean, like if I'm making a better cupcake, then I know what to compare it against. But I'm making something which didn't exist before, at least in the market, in, in the open market. So I need to understand how people think about it. And that's the reason why I thought, okay, for the first one or two years, uh, I mean, I initially thought only one year, but COVID made it two years of uh, critique time. Uh, so let 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 people give me some feedback. Initially, we didn't have that many sweet flavors. We only had plain flavor. We we couldn't figure out how to add sugar in the spoon. But people mm. didn't. People hated the initial spoon when there was no sugar in it. It was too bland. It was too salty, and it didn't go well with the ice cream. So the all these feedback, right? So what I did was whenever I got a negative review, I I literally was so happy. I was like, okay. I need this. I need those. I I didn't I didn't care about. I mean, yes. I, obviously, obviously, the five star reviews make me really happy inside. But the outside, I intentionally thought I should be happy when I got a negative review, and I celebrated them because I thought, okay, that's the honest, real feedback. They and those feedback is coming from people who are not thinking about the environment side of things. Obviously, if you look at the environment side of the things, the plastic pollution side of the things, these have to be five star compared to a plastic spoon. I'm not going to deny that, but I want normal people who might not be aware of plastic pollution to understand this as a food product and give me feedback on how good or bad the food product is. So I got, I gathered about 200 negative one star reviews from 2000 or about 1500 total reviews. And I absorbed, we absorbed all of that and we went back to the table and say, how can we make this better? And that's how we came with this new 2.0 versions. If you see my website, you'll see 2.0s and 1.0s, how the 2.0 versions came out in, 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 into place. And that's what I actually pitched on Shark Tank as well. And again, that's the critique phase. And the third is the crusade phase. Okay, now you have your MVP. Now you have your reiterated product. And now you can go actually push your push your push push it forward to you know crusade it and get it but into the deeper into the market yeah yeah no a hundred a hundred percent so i i always walk you know and, and people that have seen the comments and stuff that you know that i've shown over the last year on this channel know that i you know i do read all the comments and the negative comments while sometimes are super rude or sh shallow and not very constructive or helpful there's sometimes hints in there that can really help you you know they might just they might not know how to describe their their angst about the product or the 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 you know what they're experiencing and but that's where it's it's on us to like take that interpret it and say well what can we provide what can i change what you know maybe there's something maybe there is another way you know to get there and uh so i i, I definitely applaud the the taking those negative getting excited about negative uh feedback because that I mean, literally, that's the only way you're going to get better. Now, I do have an order for those 2.0s, and I'm looking forward to uh, to getting them and trying. I know my wife's looking forward to trying them out. I'll have the kids try them out uh, mm -hmm. with some ice cream. So um, we're looking forward to that uh, here in the near future. No, thank you. And uh, and okay, so so Shark Tank, uh, you know, it, it it comes up. You're able to get in. You're uh, you're you're preparing. How did you go about preparing for your your pitch? Um, yeah, for me it was 
initially mostly uh, rooted and uh, pitched towards plastic pollution, how bad it is and showing people how bad it is and all that stuff. But I got feedback later on saying that, like, don't make it too gloomy, make it more fun too. Because see, the, pro the, pro the product has two facts to it. One is obviously the sustainability fact. Uh, where it's you know just almost zero footprint uh, and uh, and the second is the fun aspect of it. Hey, oh, like I can actually surprise my grandchildren eating my spoon in front of them. So the second is the fun aspect of it. The first is the sustainability, and the second is the fun aspect of it. I was initially too stuck with sustainability because that was my that was what my head was thinking about. I'm like, oh, this much plastic, this much plastic, this much plastic. Literally, like every in US alone, we use hundred million plastic disposable cutlery every day, every day. So I, I was just stuck with that, but then uh, I got feedback from everyone saying that, hey, don't make it too gloomy because we, most of us already know. So make it fun and a, a more approachable to a normal person. So that was the feedback initially that I got. Yeah, I think, th and I think that's a, a, a because we're talking about ice cream here, and I and I'm a big <laughs> ice cream fan uh, personally. So you know, I, I think it needs to, it, it it should reflect that. And I'm glad that you got that feedback because you probably wouldn't get the same reaction. Cause as you said, people know we're, we're using a lot of plastic. We use a lot, a lot of things. I mean, even just single use anything I look at and I'm like, ah, that, that it, 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 it hurts my heart. But at the same time, it's like the, like there isn't always another option. And I think, you know, even just making steps in the right direction as much, as much as we possibly can, uh is 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 helpful right it's um as kirk is i don't know if you are uh you ever watch kirk kazar on uh youtube no well they they do it's called in a nutshell is the is the uh, oh the yeah no i know okay yeah. I, I i didn't understand your pronunciation but oh. i understand what you're trying to go about. yeah yeah in a nutshell as i do i do see those videos yeah yeah they did that well they did the one on on uh on you know pollution or uh what co2 usage or uh expulsion into the in, yeah. and they're like how can we all fix the problem and it's like well even if you and i did the right thing for like 70 years of our life and used like almost no plastics used as little electricity as possible did all the things we could do uh, we would save one second of CO2 expulsion into the planet for with over a course of 70 years, one yeah. second. So it's like even if we all did that, it still would just not be enough. But we need to do what we can, where we can, and where it makes sense to. And uh, that's – so I think uh, – but, I, I, you know, when you're talking about a pitch where you're trying to get people excited about – Ice cream gets me excited. Uh, you know, it's important that you you inject the fun into it, and when people get have that fun experience with a with a product or with a um, with a product or service, then they're gonna say, "Ooh, I make that connection." You know, I, when I when I saw it, my first thought was, you know, the wooden the wooden spoon thing. But as I as we know, you can't. Uh, I think you. I don't know if you did you say it in here or before we got on the air about the compostable uh, aspect yeah, about it. Yes. And it's it's tough because um, anything that has food contamination on it, they also can't recycle it. And one of the things yeah. I wanted to bring up was, you know, it's like, oh, why can't we all just get things? You know, I, I don't understand why we don't use more recyclable plastic to begin with. Because like my local recyclables, it's, you get it's... one or two, and that's it. And there's like six or seven, eight different yeah, yeah, plastics. Yeah. Uh, actually, I went a little bit of uh, depth into there. So the problem with virgin plastic ends up more cheaper than recycled plastic. That's the 
the biggest reason why you see more virgin plastic uh, because it's a byproduct of petroleum industry right so it's it's much easier to buy a fresh plastic rather than buying a recycled plastic and and yeah you're right only 9% of the entire plastic that got generated got recycled so it's very 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 uh, appalling number and previously we used to at least in the US we used to send it out offshore for recycling but once china shut its doors uh, they were just trying to push it to smaller countries to just dump it there. And what what mattered me the most is, I mean, not to be any, not to show any bias or unbias against anyone here. We really politically correct as much as I can. We can't ship our trash to someone else and say others are polluting the environment. I have these conversations all of the time with certain people and yeah. and they're like, oh, but, you know, they're polluting and they're polluting. I'm like, Who, why are they polluting so much? Because they're making stuff for us. We are the people buying this. Are you like that part doesn't, you know, it's convenient to like look the other way and be like, yeah. oh, th- that you know what it is? It's the it's the Scarface effect. You know, the, the scene where in the restaurant and he's like, y'all, you know, you, you guys can all look around and like, there's the bad guy. I can point my finger at there's the bad guy. I'm the good guy. There's the bad guy. And it, it just, yeah. I mean, that scene is so, so, I mean, there's a lot of scenes in Scarface that are powerful, yeah. but that scene to me is one of yeah. the most powerful because it makes the biggest statement about other people's perception of let, we can point the, as long as we can point the finger at somebody else. We can feel better about ourselves. And look, I look. I'm not a, averse to the fact that I'm drinking my G Fuel out of a plastic container here. I I get it, right? But I plan on using it for a, as long as I possibly can, yes. uh, and not a single use. Uh, with that said, I got my Linus Tech Tips steel water bottle here for water. So yeah, I, again, see that's the whole point, right? For me, I understand a lot of us are aware of it, but why aren't our actions reflecting? Is my question. So I'm trying to approach that question. Like, forget about my edible school product or straw, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the product is good and all that stuff. For me, in the end, as you mentioned, when you go to an extra ice cream shop, you need to be given a choice. Do you want an edible spoon or do you just want to stick with a plastic spoon? Then your pain point increases. See, if I'm making decent money and if I go eat an ice cream for $5 and if they tell me, hey, give me, give me, uh, do you want an edible spoon for like another 50 cents? Let's say, just say worst case. I wouldn't mind think twice because I know that by not choosing an edible spoon, I'll intentionally choose a plastic spoon, which will hurt me in my irrational thought or in, in my in my back of my mind. So that was what I want to gain. It's not about the product. It's not about the sales. It's not about all the marketing. It, in the end, I want to I want it to reflect to a consumer choice and their actions rather than just saying plastic, plastic, plastic. So that's the reason why I felt edible cutlery is more fun because that gives an option, which is not just inducing fun, but also giving you an option saying, I don't want to use a plastic spot. Yeah, I know. Well, here in Jersey, they've started the uh, yeah. uh, an in- initiative to stop giving out uh, yeah. straws, plastic straws, unless you ask for them, which if you're getting a soda, I get like I get I can I can understand that. But like I got a frozen drink at Taco Bell. Uh, I I'm gonna need a spoon unless I I'm, I'm gonna have to go and get my own you know reusable ones at Wawa here in in Jersey. They uh, or in in the Northeast they uh, they offer the a reusable uh, a straw for like fifty cents I think. So it's yeah. one you could take home. The problem there is, is the to, at least the way I see it, is the education isn't there to say, okay, so I have this cup, 
and the cup is throwawayable, but now the, the, the straw is not throwawayable. So now I got to clean that straw off and get it home. But I'm like in the car, which is why I stopped at Wawa at the first place before I head out on a big trip yeah. to get like to eat yeah. in the car. So now so, I'm trying to like save the thing. And it's just a it's a it's a it's a mindset change. Yeah, that 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 also, that also brings a very interesting topic here. There was this recent study that a lot of people who are buying the reusable stainless steel bottles uh, they're buying too many of them. Yeah, they want to do good for the planet. Uh, but what happens up is, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's still... Yeah, no, it's, I, I it's, believe it. I believe it, it. It. It's still lesser of the evils. Like, as coming back to the Wawa reusable straw, right? Yeah, it is obviously, obviously, like, at least 100 times better than using 100 plastic straws, even if you use it 100 times. But what, hap- what happens is, as you mentioned, if the reusable straw is only, like, 5.50 cents, they're going to use it and throw it away. We do it. I mean, it, 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 it goes beyond that. They're like, oh, I don't want to take this, wash this, throw Like, let, let, let me just buy another one next time I go there. Or I'll stop going there. I'll go to some other place which has a plastic straw. So, uh, like, what I'm trying to say is our, our actions, right? I mean, we need to really reflect on that. And sometimes it's because of the time, because of the resources, or because of even the whether we can even afford it. It all matters there. So, yeah. again, this brings back to that question that was mostly put in the tank, right? Like, oh, why would someone pay it for this? For me, it's like, why wouldn't they when you give that as a default option? Like, yeah, go the other way around. Like, charge your customers $5.50 for your ice cream and give an edible spoon by default. And you and the shop is making 25, 30 cents there. I'm, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna charge them only 20 cents per spoon, if they sell for 30, 50 cents per spoon, they, they're gonna make 30 cents per order. They're gonna be super happy. That's an extra cash revenue. Uh, that's what That was my argument there charge your customers by default and then give an option to say hey reduce 50 cents if you don't want an edible spoon yeah so that 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 increases the pain point once the pain point is increased then yes people will try to make the best decision as they can and coming back to this right yeah you're right one or two persons making this for 70 years of change might not be a big day big 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 difference but if even millions of like even a one million people on a daily basis, if they make a change, it will it will still make a big impact. And the bigger change that would come is if one million people are doing this, they will impact the local city or county or the or the government itself, which can actually snowball or roll into a bigger de- dedication towards you know saving planet. So, yeah, no, I, absolutely, and I I think uh, from from a bot like if you're like at the, in the Wawa situation, you know that where it's like oh they, it, the plastic silverware is there. Or I could just get the 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 uh, edible one. I actually would take the edible one because then I can just eat. It's one less piece yeah. of trash in general yeah. that I'm gonna have to you know handle. Um, but I, I I would like to see. There's a lot of situations where I would like to see um, reusable silverware. You you I think we need to change like like the the whole logic. And I think even I've I've talked about this with friends of mine like. I, I think that there should be uh, um, like government funding for this kind of stuff because obviously people are still going to maybe throw the stuff away. People are going to steal some of it. This at the third, especially if we're talking about like a food court at the mall, right? That is one example. Why are we? Why do we? Why do we have disposable stuff? It's not that you can't have disposable stuff there. Like, oh, are you planning on taking this out to your car to eat it? Okay, sure, I get it. Put it in the wrapper or whatever in that case. But if you're not. Then if you're just going to be there, then like, okay, you have the silverware and you put up like what they do at Ikea. I think that the, it's a culture shift that needs to happen uh, yeah. as a whole. And then you you mix in the edible you know utensils yeah. 
and yeah. and it kind of starts to snowball from there of like okay so we we have more options of not just throwing stuff out be for the sake of like well we didn't know if you were going to stay or not like and and uh, actually that brings back to a very interesting question right? a lot of times i tell in the in the news interviews or anything like that my goal is is not asking people to buy the edible spoons if they have a chance to use a reusable spoons like for example i don't want anyone to buy the product if they have an opportunity to use the stainless steel cutlery at home i'm fine with it because that's the better that's the better than what my our product too i'm i'm okay with that but if if at your home situation you have a birthday party you don't want to really go through the washing of all the utensils you want to make it more interesting you want to educate educate your your guests with you know sustainability options yes then buy the spoons so for if you if 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 single use is a must like you go to a game you can't really take your cutlery with you you can't wash it after and all that stuff yes then take like literally you're going to an ice cream shop you can throw throw our edible spoons in your car in your dashboard and just pick it up from the dashboard and go to the shop and say no to the plastic spoon a cup is a lesser evil because it's still made with paper most of it i mean there's a lining but still and le- but unless you go to chick-fil-a yeah. <laughs> where they, they they haven't got the message yet that like yeah. styrofoam's really bad like yeah. like really yeah, really yeah. bad on so, that so oh, what i'm trying to say is what i'm trying to say is use the edible cutlery only when the single use is a must like you said in some food courts or in in the games and the concerts and the arenas where you know reusable stainless steel is very hard to maintain i would obviously want it happen too but it 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 might go there like later on so uh, what i'm trying to say is like yeah customers who are sing- who need single use as as a requirement yes then edible cutlery is the best way to go forward absolutely absolutely so uh uh or oh, where's i gonna go uh there was something i was gonna ask all right so let, real quick let's get back to, to shark tank right so you're you're walking down are you nervous are you you know do you feel confident uh especially with your your valuation there uh because I, I i believe uh oh no robert was robert not on robert wasn't no, no, on no. there oh because yeah. he got he seems to be saying wow every time it comes to five thousand five hundred thousand dollars yeah so uh so i i walked in with a request of uh five hundred thousand dollars for seven and a half percent so that imputes to about close to five million dollars you know he, I, I, you know what we we all know joe's not great at math off the top of his mm-hmm. head but i wrote down yeah. se- well I, actually i wrote down seven percent for five hundred thousand. yeah yeah seven seven and a half percent seven percent for five hundred thousand dollars yes you're right so yeah i mean that would be well yeah be over that'd be over five million it would be seven million yeah like yeah probably closer to seven seven million yes um yeah so uh, by the way that was actually a challenging thing for me too the reason is i have watched a lot of episodes on shark tank before and i do notice the sales revenues that they go in with in fact quite a few friends told me hey you only had a 170k do you really think they can you can go ask that much in there then for me the, the the point there is a lot of people are not aware of this if someone goes into the tank most of them when they say they have like 2 million or 3 million in revenue they would have spent already a million dollars or more on the ads on the spend of making that revenue from my biggest pitch or my biggest point there was unfortunately it got cut out i spent only $2000 in marketing and 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 we made 170k in revenue yes. so the, the, that's the you you have to see both right i mean you can't just see the revenue part and say hey i'm doing good so so i mean in fact i made i was profitable from the year 2 itself it's only like few thousand dollars but still uh, the, uh what That's i'm trying huge. to say is yeah, yeah so that that was that was more of my thought process saying that yeah 
yeah, I, if I had a million dollars to spend, I would have made five million dollars in revenue too. So, so that 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 was the differential factor for me, saying that hey, okay, I can go with a better uh, valuation. One reason was that, and the other reason was I already had a couple of safe notes from angel investors, which was capping at like four million, six million. So I thought I had to do justice there, and uh, it was just like we raised about two hundred k total as a pre-seed round. That's it, uh, starting in twenty twenty one. Till then, it was all bootstrapped. So, and third is IP. So we had the way to manufacture this. That was actually the biggest point. It's yeah, product sales and all comes later, but I the the scalability part is more important to us, and that was more value to us rather than the revenue itself. So these yeah. are the main three reasons why we I went in with that, uh, with that ridiculous value valuation as some might think of. But yeah. I, yeah. You know, well, that's and I've seen this question come up in the in the comments of other videos where it's like, oh, you know, you're not worth four million dollars until you made four million dollars. And it's like, well, you could have spent three hundred and, you know, three million point three point nine million to make that four million. That doesn't mean you're worth four million. It, you know, it well, it depends, though, it, it, like every industry, every niche. And there's reasons behind each of that to be worth because it's like, ooh, if you have a you know something that people are getting tied into where they're buying over and over and over and over like if you invent if you you know invent tissues right and people are buying them like in a cash cow format where they're just every you know every couple of months they're just buying a couple more boxes of tissues then you know it's worth a lot more than it's like oh i bought this one you know i bought my linus tech tips water bottle and Okay, cool, but like, I don't plan on buying another one anytime. I mean, actually, I have a, I have two. When you're saying about buying too many, I have to. I have a black one and a white one because in the summer, leaving it in the car, yeah, yeah, the black yeah, one's yeah. no good. The black one's very hot to touch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, it, the evaluation is is always based on a lot more things than just how much have you sold, you know, and, yeah. and where where's the scalability? Because like as you said, you could have sold five million if you had a million dollars. So yeah. it wasn't a question of like yeah. <laughs> maybe possibly. It's like we already have the ability to do this. We just need the money to be able to to get it out there yeah. and make it happen. And and to be frank, right? Uh, I initially thought it was too early to go in there because. I haven't explored social media yet. I have not spent a penny on social media marketing till now. So I, I it's it's I'm still learning to be frank. So I'm trying to figure out what's the best ROI, whether what's the conversion rates, what's the better conversion rates, how organic can it be? So I'm trying to explore all that. Again, see, coming back to that, having a job was very giving me that question to experiment before even I go spend money. So I'm trying to do some experiments and say, hey, okay, let me spend twenty dollars there. Literally, I only spent I think about forty dollars on Facebook till now. So that nice. just to, just to understand how it works. Keep your so, money, man. Facebook yeah. is tough. It's it's not going to necessarily lead to. Yeah, sales yeah, yeah. but it's you know it's a it's a tool as marketing is in general for for educating the no, uh no, I, the, the masses another reason for me was see my biggest markets were these big guys like large ice cream chains arenas concerts stadiums and all these places facebook might not help me to get them so i, no. I for me that that's why i spent linkedin on linkedin sales navigator to get the contacts to get the yes. talks going on so so that that's how I mean, right? My my approach is, yeah, once Dippin' Dots or some other big ice cream chain starts working with us, they are going to provide me all the marketing that I need for to the end consumers later on. Anyways, at that time, yes, I can go spend a little more money and show the social media there. But in the starting, I don't have to. So that's that's the 
like as i mentioned right every buck i spend i want to see how much i can I mean, how much impact can it make rather than thinking how much roi it can come back so that impact process really helped me to go slow down like okay think about it is it worth doing it not worth doing it and all that stuff yeah. oh absolutely so were you did you going into did you think you were going to have a, a feeding frenzy there with so many sharks uh, wanting to jump in uh, to be frank no i didn't uh, i didn't i thought maybe one or two might come on board but i really didn't think that they would come the reason is uh, i mean there was few things that which which were not shown but like at some places i was like he i'm not doing this for money i don't have any intentions to be a millionaire or a billionaire i i openly told that to like i just put that forward thing before because... or after kevin gave you an offer because <laughs> you feel like you'd be like Wait, what did I just hear him say? Did he just say he doesn't look? All right, I reach I'm out. <laughs> I mean, it's not so direct, but I kind of told them that I'm here most for the impact. I'll be more happy if I can reduce 100 spoons rather than making 100 bucks. So that's that was mostly my pitch. So I knew when I went there, to be fr- to, uh, to answer back your first question, right, were you nervous and all that stuff? I was not because I was like, what's the worst that could happen? I have, I'm having an experience. I already pitched quite a few companies on, on these, like on the, on the trade shows and other online, uh, you know, nutrition capital advisors and uh, like food bites. There were a few other companies where I could actually pitch in a larger audiences and all. I, I, I was not new to pitching and, and uh, I, I mean, I don't have that much stage fear also. So for me, it was okay. Like, okay, what the worst would could happen? I can just go there, talk, I get to know these people, talk to them and, you know, just let's pitch, pitch my pop pitch my product forward and if it airs then well and good if it doesn't then it's okay so i'm just going to go ahead with my life so i i was like very to be i'm a very content i don't have any expectations in the sense hey oh yeah okay my only expectations right now is i have to reduce 100 million plastic cutlery before 2025 that's my goal so i don't know whether it'll happen or not by the way that's again as i told you it was just one day of consumption in the u.s so, but I, that's my goal. So I'm trying to reach through that goal and I'll try the best means possible. Yeah. If everything goes well, everything will go well. Otherwise, yeah, let me just burn as much as I can. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you, I mean, you clearly know, you know, I've learned from your experiences, uh, you know, throughout all of this. I mean, anybody that's made it this far into the interview, uh, can clearly see that. Right. Um, so okay, so you you get a deal with Lori and you you leave and what's like what's the first thing you do when you get back? Um, I mean, yeah, they will try to contact you just to talk to you how you, how it goes and all that stuff. So we'll have some post show interviews and all that uh, in the tank itself, and then yeah, you just head back home and you have to keep quiet about it, and then uh, the due diligence will start a few weeks after and the due diligence will go through. And and depending on the due diligence, uh, it it go continues forward. Um, one thing I can tell you is, uh, uh, like, for undisclosed reasons, that he didn't go through, unfortunately. But I can still I still uh, value and honor the fact that we were on air. It's not it's not really uh, you won't see it every day that an immigrant from India who did his masters here and did his job was he was able to be on Shark Tank. So that's the first generation of Indian. I, I think I'm the first. I don't know. I, I didn't even look into the history and see whether someone went in or not but uh, from the comments that i noticed that some one of the people put a comment on the previous uh, episode so uh yeah that i should really value and uh, be happy for that opportunity that it went on air and it, everything went well we had a pretty good decent size of pre-orders so that's another challenge right i was not ready for it to be, it to be aired this fast 
I was thinking it'll come like next year, January or February. So, and we we just switched from 1.0 to 2.0. So our machines are changing right now. We have to literally rechange all the molds that we had. So all the previous spoons where we stopped it because the molds were out of life and we couldn't make good product, good quality spoons there. But we had some stock of 1.0s in the US, but we stopped the production like about August timeframe. And 2.0 machines got delayed because of COVID and for like festivals in India and all that stuff. So I didn't have any product to sell once it went on air. I mean, I had a little bit of 1.0s, but not a lot. And and once it went air, I really thank the people's support because even as a pre-orders, we were able to get a decent side. I think we made about close to $70,000 worth of pre-orders just on pre-orders nice. alone in, in, in like in two weeks after it aired. So that I'm very happy for that support. I think the message went through. That's what I'm more, more, uh, I was more worried about. Yeah, product and all. Yeah, you'll have this nice hype because of Shark Tank. Yeah, but I, I for me, the main thing is if the message goes through, they will come back to us later on, even if not immediately. So that's my biggest uh, need. And I think it went, went, on, went on very well. So I should be happy about it even though the deal did go through. Yeah, you know, there's uh there is a lot of uh uh there is a lot there like as far as cuz it it, be, it does change the conversation, right? When you go to the website and it's like, "Oh, you can't buy it right now." Like, oh, you can't have it cuz it's not there." And it's like, you know, and and people who don't know would be like, "What do you mean? You didn't prepare, you didn't know. You didn't, come on, you had months to figure this out and and you knew you should have known." Like, well, obviously, you don't know when you're going to go live. Yeah. Um and and you know, like I was saying when you when you go home, it it, it is just like, "Okay, we go back to normal, you know, go back to doing what we're doing and and uh and and kind of keep quiet until until the time is is right and then they only contact you what like 3 weeks out before the for the show airs uh and and it's like okay you know ramp up and i mean I, if you haven't watched any of my other uh interviews with with Shark Tank business entrepreneurs uh you you should totally go watch those cuz they they have some of the same struggles of like you know, we didn't know, like, I thought I had more time or, or, you know, we didn't, we were in the middle of changing something and, and now, uh, we had to hurry up and, and, and do what we could do. So, you know, I, I, oh, go ahead. And another thing was supply chain, because right now the global supply chain is horrible. It's taking like close to six to eight weeks instead of three to four weeks that used to take before. So that's something people are not aware of it as, as, as a manufacturer and supplier and vendors and all that we are aware of it. But but general people are not aware of the congestion that's happening in the Los Angeles port and the New York ports and all the other ports. So it's ridiculously crazy right now. And by the way, that brings back an interesting car topic, right? Like coming back to the sustainability aspects, uh, we did notice that there's a carbon offset because this product has been made in India and shipped to here in the US. And also there's a shipping involved from one coast to other and all that stuff. So we are officially carbon negative and plastic negative approved from our third party uh, yeah so each 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 spoon you consume will actually help the planet four times because it will help reduce the same amount of plastic we pick out from the oceans and we recycle them with the existing plastic uh, uh, and and we whatever we use we comp- we double compensate it even the offsets the carbon offsets anything that ha- that might happen we double compensate it and we got the negative certified so that is amazing because, like, the, there was a question in the comments of, of the, my reaction video of, of whether or not I would invest in the company if I was there. And uh, my my response actually had to do with the carbon offset if you know, because you're still producing something. So there's still yeah. some carbon there. 
and and I don't know the math like what a plastic spoon. I know the paper straw uh-huh. situation is is not great. It's like twice or three times the amount of energy to create a paper uh-huh. straw instead of a plastic straw, which is not great. And then a paper straw, usually I got to use two of those because it falls apart about halfway through my drink, uh, which is not great, especially if we're talking about like a milkshake or something. Then it's like might be two or three straws, which I hate to admit. But at that point, I'd rather just have a straw, <laughs> like a, reu- a reusable straw in a, in a restaurant. Who would have thought, right? Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, I, so that that is amazing to hear. And uh, I, I, you know, so I'm, I'm so excited for the future here, uh, Dinesh, of what you yep, got going I- on. And the reason we did that was one thing I noticed was, I mean, not to like uh, belittle any big companies who made it this big. If you look at major food corporations or major chains and all that stuff, right? One thing I didn't like initially when I was doing this research on sustainability and all that was they grow super big. And then they give you terms saying that, hey, by 2050, I will, or by 2030, I will do something about it. Uh, I mean, see, my one question is, if you really are so dedicated, just do it. I mean, you don't have to wait till 2030. You can do it in the next two, three years. I know it's not possible in two, three months because it's a big company. But in the next two, three years, you can can actually show the dedication. And if you watch John Oliver's show on plastic pollution, he actually puts it up in a very funny way. The only thing most of the big companies recycle is their claim that they will recycle. So, so it's it's a very hard fact, but that's what I've been. I mean, I might be wrong. To be frank, I I don't know that much details. What what efforts they're putting through, but I might be wrong. But what I observed is that they're like, okay, everyone puts say, hey, okay, I'll I'll be sustainable, but I'll be be sustainable by this year. Like, do be sustainable right now. That's what more is more important. And 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 that's the reason why I decided, even if it's going to increase my cost of the product a little bit, I didn't care. I thought, okay. If I can imbibe that sustainability aspect from my first spoon that I sell, it's, even if it grows into a mil, like I'm selling millions or billions, it will still maintain that because it's already in the roots. You can't change then. You can't go back and say, oh, hey, I have to make a two more cents out of this. Let me just stop doing that uh, offsets. I, 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 it, it's very rare that you would do that because you're already used to that. So, so, so that I, that's another reason why I had to do it much, much early. In fact, even the workers that we hire in India, we make sure that they're coming from very low, low wage people, and we try to give them good benefits and all that stuff. So, every part of your product, like your journey, right, from the start to the finish, you need to make sure that it's as close to the planet as possible. Again, we still try striving towards it. Our wrappers are paper as much as it can, and that paper is still not so good as you mentioned. I mean, it's very thin, it's biodegradable, but it's still not as good. But we have to switch to the bulk wrapping, but bulk wrapping right now, not many people are accepting it because of COVID, because they don't want to touch the spoon. So there are some challenges. Yeah, again, even that paper, we offset it. So that's why we're trying to, yeah, we are making a small problem out of this by wrapping them up, but we're trying to compensate it, but that's not the final, final, I would say the final goal that I have. My goal is to have just bulk wrapped and then directly going to the store and the ice cream shop gives you the product by default. That's my dream goal, which 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 uses less packaging also. So, but again, right now I have to cut short of some of my dreams. So make sure that reality happens one step at a time. Yeah, I, and that's and I think that's important to keep the keep the goal the goal in focus, right? And and realize that like, oh, we're not going to get there overnight. I mean, look, if if Elon Musk wanted a, an electric car overnight. Uh, he he would have given up back in 2003. <laughs> you know, we 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 wouldn't be here uh, all these years later for it because it would have been like ah, it can't happen all at 
want, so we're just not going to do it. And like, I mean, if you ever probably watched the uh, Who Killed the Electric Car, you know, documentary, like it wasn't all going to happen at once. And and that's one of the things that those big companies want to have is like, how do we make this happen all at once very quickly so that we can make a big profit? And 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 also not just that, right? Coming back to electric cars, right? Nowadays, people are bringing this topic of what to do with the batteries after 10 years. So uh, this this we have to think before itself. So yes, if someone, if I have a company which can make millions of electric cars, as a company, when even before I bring it to the market, if we have a path forward to say, okay, what do I do with the batteries after 10 years? How can I reutilize them so it can be used? I mean, it's it's actually brings up an opportunity for startups too. If people who are other electric, electrical engineers or something, instead of thinking about making a new product by brand virgin materials, they can think, okay, now after 15 years, electric car is not going to be on the road anymore. What do I do with its parts, especially the batteries? What do I do with them? How do I recycle them? Shall I, like, so these are opportunities that we can actually utilize as well. No, absolutely. I mean, I think Tesla at this point has said that they can yeah, recycle yeah. like 80 to 100% of the battery. Um, which is great and and needs to be because like that's yeah. one of the biggest things against it. It's like oh well we got to get lithium and blah 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 and that's not clean and it's using dirty energy and and you know and if especially if you can't recycle the thing it becomes a problem. It's that's why I mean this is such a it's such a complicated uh, you know saving the planet is such a complicated thing. Like uh, the the one in the nutshell video talked about like did you know eight percent of the carbon emissions come from concrete and everyone I told that is like really and i'm like well yeah but we're not getting rid of concrete tomorrow because we kind of need it so so we got to come up with some other solutions you know solutions along the way to either offset that uh because concrete's not going anywhere uh or or find up a whole new way uh to replace concrete and it's just not you know that doesn't happen tomorrow but i think it's important that we keep the as you are keep the mission uh in focus and you know money money will absolutely be coming and i mean you're by the time you're gonna be you're probably gonna be a billionaire there, dinesh uh, so I'm, i i, I know, as forget, i mentioned don't forget I, me I, don't, you're done. <laughs> I, I don't intend to be so uh if it comes it comes but i don't intend to be that was well, not, it's all right. that's you, you can just intention. donate all of it it's all you won't have you don't have to be a billionaire you just continuously <laughs> expend the money in, in donations the, the, and things the, pro- the problem with being a millionaire or billionaire is you have to keep holding that status if you go there if you don't go there, you don't have to think about it much. Oh. On a fun side, uh, on a fun <laughs> side of it. Well, it's I know you've watched Silicon Valley, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. And the three comma, the three comma club, and and uh, his, the, the three comma tequila or whatever it is. Um, yeah, that <laughs> it is. It is. A, it is. A, it is a weird thing. Uh, but it, you know, it actually it reminds me of the guy who invented was it five hour energy and uh, he's uh indian i believe and he's yeah. like i'm never going to be as cool as like any of these other you know millionaire billionaire people uh and he's like inve- like just investing it in like i think it was like prosthetics or something to that effect so to help people be able to walk again and it's like oh, wow okay cool like i don't drink five my dad drinks a lot of five hour energies i personally don't but you know it's just like wow that now that's something to get you know a, way, a cool way to give back you know instead of yeah. just being like and- like yeah. I'm, and, I'm rich. Like let's go. <laughs> and another another reason is with whatever ten years of savings, I, I have. I mean, my grandmother taught me the value of charity and the happiness it brings. And I also, I already met my life goal of saving ten thousand people. So I'm content. So what can what? How can you go and ask a content person to 
to to go make a million or a billion bucks right so that's the thing right it's 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 very hard i mean people find me very awkward and weird when i say that but that's okay no i yeah. don't find it weird honestly i don't feel i i left my family's 100 million dollar business cuz money doesn't doesn't do anything for me right i mean it does things we need it to be able to have a house and do all the things that we want to do but but like i'm not driven by money i'm driven by mission i'm driven by helping people i'm driven by a lot of other things than how much money can I have and how many toys can, can that yeah. buy me? Right. I know what toys, you know, I, I don't want to say the word turn me on cause that's taken out of context. could be taken out of context. But what I will say is, is it's important to know what drives you and technology is one of those things. So like, while I'm not going to, you know, spend a whole bunch of money on this or that other people would. Uh, but to me, it's like, I get the things that make sense and, and improve my quality of life uh, along the way. And that's what I really care. You know, that's one of the things I, I really care I, about. And also another thing, right? It goes back to my original question. Okay, I became a millionaire or a billionaire through some other investments. Forget about edible cutlet or edible spoons. Now my kids are grown up. I'm almost at my deathbed and they're like 30s and 40s or whatever. And they can't eat food or they can't drink the water like we are. Like they can't live like how we live. Then what's the point of me making so much? What's the point of me having billions? In fact, this is one of the things that I wanted to ask Kevin, especially like, oh, what do you, when he asked about when he sort of money, 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 when I said, actually told that, yeah, money is good, but what's the point if my kids can't eat or live the way it is? So that's my fear, right? My fear, like in the future, how it's going to be for them. Yeah. I, Will, will, will having a billion bucks save them or having a better planet save them? That's a simple question. It was the ABC, the ABC News tonight or whatever it's called or last night showed the Amazon rainforest. And there was like it wasn't the Amazon rainforest. It was the Amazon desert. And uh, it's like very eerie. Like this is what we're staring down the barrel of on a mass scale everywhere. Uh, if we don't make changes, you know, it, the, the – the uh the the sweetness of of plentifulness of life uh is not forever and uh we need to be, we need to really be careful uh cuz we're going to tip the tip the scale we're already tipping the scale way too much um so yeah i, I I, I I love it, Dinesh. Yeah. I, yeah, I absolutely thanks. love and, it. And and I would like to end with one note. What I observed from my journey of entrepreneurship and even as a person, as an individual and all that is people want companies to change. Companies want people to change and investors are here just for the bucks. So and we are leaving the planet on the side. So that, so, yep, it, it's all about point again. Who, where's the bad guy? The company <laughs> say, "Oh, you're the bad guy because you keep buying our things that we keep marketing to you." Like, yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, but this is we all got one planet. Like we're all planted on the same field here. Like, no, I mean, the the thing is in that vicious in that vicious cycle, we forgot about the planet. So I just want to bring that back in as much as I can. Yeah. I think and de- destigmatizing the tree huggers, I think, is important too. You know, and and realizing like they they want to be extreme because we're not because we're being extreme in the other op in the opposite direction and don't and don't realize it because we're just so embedded with how with the way the life that we've created our, for yeah. ourselves and, is. And actually, the, the another reason of changes can happen slowly. The reason for for one beautiful example, as I grew up, I think most of the Indians would know us. A lot of my friends back in India, when they, I'm a vegetarian by birth, uh, but but a lot of my, I had a lot of friends who eat meat, but they only eat on Sundays and Saturdays. They don't, they don't eat on the weekdays. Oh. Or, only recently, this fact of meat as a staple diet came in from Western cultures to Indian culture, and we started eating almost every day. So, so 
even the change can happen in that way. Yeah, in the US, I don't expect everyone to change to vegan or vegetarian by 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 like a few days or few months. But if they can slowly reduce the consumption, whether do we do I really have to eat meat every day? Yeah, let's do it like once in two days, once in three days, once in four days, once in five days. Yeah, slowly you can give it up. Or even if it might be okay if billions of people are only eating on the vegans. So that change, I mean, obviously sometimes if you go to the extreme and say, hey, you should not eat meat at all. Yeah, it will not go to all the people. One step at a time. I, you know, I, I've had this conversation with my dad a, a bunch of times. He, you know, I'm like, look, they're like, oh, oh, these people are blaming the cows. It's all the cows. I'm like, okay, look, do we really need a McDonald's and a Burger King and a Wendy's on every single corner that's all serving burger? Do we? I mean, re- like, do we really need that? Like, I, I, I'm not saying that we should get rid of cows and meat and all that. I'm just saying, like, do we need it to be to that level of – like every play, every corner in America has has beef. Like, does it really need to be that level? Like, I'm not saying we shouldn't be able to go get steaks if we want steaks. Like, you know, at the at the grocery market or whatever. But like, I, I just don't I don't see it now. What there is something to be said for supply and demand. And if you know those, you know, the McDonald's and all them were to say curtail down the amount of meat that they were selling, as say, don't make st- burgers your staple. That's that's all I'm saying. Just don't make yep. it the staple. Make it the the plus thing. Make it the yep. the special thing. Not the oh yeah, you got you came in for the dollar burger, right? Um, and and the the supply and demand would would change would kind of shift the price of meat in general. Maybe not in a great direction and kind of push up the price and then and they disable the ability for people to get it i mean there's also how many people should be eating it and dinesh we could talk about this all day. i could like literally go all day i know i, know, I, think, I, I think we both we both love love talking <laughs> I think let, let people, it might be like see looking at the length of this uh, interview but that's good that's a good discussion no it, it is it is so well uh before before we wrap up uh, how can people get in touch with you? How can people uh, get the incredible, incredible eats, spoons, and uh, well, and other cutlery? Yeah, the, they can go to our website, incredibleeats.com. Uh, previously, it used to be called incrediblespoon.com. Both of them point to the same website right now. So, um, or uh, we are on Amazon, but in a limited 1.0 quantity right now. The 2.0s will be coming in soon on Amazon. So, uh, the desert spoons are available right now for pre-orders, which should be fulfilled in the next few weeks. But the spoon, to, the tablespoon 2.0, and our sporks, uh, table sporks are coming in from January. So please be patient. We really apologize for our logistic uh, mishaps and logistic delays. But that's, uh, yeah, you, you're getting a, you'll, you'll love it once you, once you get it to, into your hand. Um, and, and the straws and the chopsticks will be available starting Q1 or Q2 of next year. So we're slowly ramping up those as well. And this is a bootstrap company still, like just this very small amount of investment. So we are going to take some time. I mean, I'm not going to overpromise you here. So, uh, and then uh, you can reach me out on the contact us section, or you can reach me at uh, hello at i-eats.com. So our team, just team of two people right now. So we, we look into that email very often. So hello at i-eats.com. Love it. Super Dinesh, I greatly appreciate your time uh, and, and being here and your mission. And like I said, we, I could talk about this stuff all day long. Uh, Super Dinesh, is there any last thoughts you'd like to share before we wrap up here? Um, no, just go with your passions and along with your passions, think about the planet also. That's it. 100%. Ding, ding. <laughs> 
If you've enjoyed this video, if you've enjoyed this interview, please go and check out Incredible Eats. Uh, go over to uh, superjoepardo.com and uh, reach out to me if you have some thoughts or write them down in the comments below. Uh, otherwise, I will see you in one of these two next videos over here. Take care, everybody.